Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. An unseen evil haunts the homestead in this chilling folkloric tale of madness, paranoia, and otherworldly terror. Lizzie is a tough, resourceful frontierswoman settling a remote stretch of land in the 19th century American frontier, isolated from civilization in a desolate wilderness where the wind never stops howling. She begins to sense a sinister presence that seems to be born of the land itself and an overwhelming dread that her husband dismisses as superstition. That is the backstory behind this terrific new film called The Wind, and we're joined today by the director of The Wind, and that would be Emma Tommy. Emma, welcome to Film School. Hi, thank you. So good to be here. Thank you so much. Um, the film was written by Teresa Sutherland. Um, yes. And, and um, we'll get into sort of the, the technical side which of the film, which is terrific, by the way. But uh, tell me a little bit about how the story came to you. Um, well, Teresa Sutherland went to... Um, school at Florida State University, which has a a really excellent film program. And she had done a short film there that one of our producers, Chris Allender, had seen um, because he's also an alumni of that school. He had encouraged her for, for, I think, a couple of years to maybe consider developing the idea into a feature. And when she, I think she sat on it for quite some time. And then when she wrote it, it was like in a very fast uh, spurt, kind of just, you know, Mm. came out of her, which I, I really could feel actually reading it that it was almost this stream of consciousness because uh, it's a nonlinear script and it's got a, a real memory scape in terms of its structure, mm-hmm. um, which felt like such a strong flow. Anyway, she wrote the script and Chris Allender was in the middle of putting together a film fund that he wanted to do three feature films um, out of. And this was the first one that they wanted to produce. Chris and I had worked together on a film that was a documentary called Fair Chase. Um, that I had shot out in New Mexico about long-distance runners. We were, you know, chatting about the script, and he thought it might be a good fit, and I thought it sounded so interesting. And I read it and loved it and met with Teresa, and we hit it off and did a couple of um, polished passes together, and I got inside her head about the story, which was so helpful, and we refined some things and, you know, off to the races. Yeah, and, and that, ended up shooting in New Mexico again. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's shot in New Mexico. It it uh, and that in and of itself is a character in the film. Obviously, the, the title of the film, "The Wind." It there's a lot of external things in the film that are so important to uh, to what happens in the film. But I, yeah. I I love this idea of jumping around in her memory and how that plays out. And in it takes a little bit of a a time to adjust yourself as a as a viewer to what's happening. It doesn't take very long, but it it's something that it's at first you're you want to make sure you're thinking what you're thinking is is actually right. happening, and then it starts to play out and becomes a really important motif within the film of of that sort of back and forth uh, of here of remembering things and 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 then it becomes a, a matter of is this actually happening? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Is, so that's that's a fair way to 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 
to outline the film. Yeah, I think we start to, you know, question our protagonist's sense of reality as she's beginning to doubt her herself. So it, it's a, I think the way Teresa structured it really, you know, lets us as audiences step inside the, the headspace of, of our leading lady, really, mm-hmm. effectively. I think one of the advantages of doing that, especially for a film that is increasingly more um, of a horror film, it doesn't start out that way, but it starts, and there's always little clues along the way we see in the first few few minutes, sort of things that are not quite right in, in how, well, especially the beginning of the film, the very beginning is uh, is jarring, first of all, but but as we get a Acquainted with the uh, with the uh, characters, things begin to sort of feel out of place. Uh, what I, and what I think about that in terms of just how it plays out as a as somebody who was watching the film, um, it invests you in the film. Mm. It, I feel like I feel like as a viewer, you're you're suddenly now in the process of trying to figure things out, and in and I think in that in that process, you become a little more invested in the characters and in what's going to happen next. It's It becomes a little bit of a detective game, if that may not be the exact right way to put it, but it becomes somewhat like that, a, a puzzle, maybe. So yeah. is, that, is that something that you're, you're consciously thinking about as a, as, a, as a way to pull an audience in, or is that just the, the structure that you, you felt like that was the most appropriate? Uh, I think I think twofold. One, yes, we tried to cut out of certain scenes in moments that left things to still be imagined and still be desired on a narrative level. So I think that we wanted to be giving enough to the audience, but also pulling back just enough at the right time to keep them guessing and, as you say, keep them invested in where the story's going. And then the second level, I think, was creating a little bit of a disorientation, again, kind of getting into our our main character's psyche. And jumping around in time helped us do that. I think she's, you know, kind of the present day storyline really is her by herself for most of the time on this homestead. And as she's spending all this time by herself and eventually really combating the both the inner and the external, quote-unquote, demons that are, you know, kind of encroaching in on her, she's thinking back um, on on these different moments in time that are, are impacting what she's going through mm-hmm. in the present. So mm-hmm. I think that that also just helps us understand what she's going through and, and what she's thinking about, mm-hmm. because in her present-day timeline, she's really by herself and and not speaking with anyone. So again, these, I think these memories are really interacting with what she's going through. Right. Before we get into the different characters, uh, Caitlin Gerard plays uh, Lizzie and, and uh, we'll get into the, the sort of the, the cast as well as their sort of their characters. How would you categorize the film? What would you call this film if you were looking for a, a genre name to put on? And I don't like to pigeonhole people with their films and I, but I just kind of curious what? How you would you describe it in it from in, from the perspective of a genre film? I mean, I describe it as a horror western, but I think you know it's really a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And then, to be honest, when I first read it, I was like, "Wow, this this is a great drama," and that was what I was drawn to um, 
first and foremost. But but I think that's one of the things that's so fun with this one. Like it's really blending several different genres. And as a filmmaker, being able to do a Western was also a huge dream of mine. So, I mean, that was one of the, the most fun genres to to lean into. I think what you said earlier is totally true, which is it, it almost doesn't start as a horror, but you see little clues even from the very beginning that still lets you know that that's where we're headed. Right. Um, I think one of the challenges in this was to make it feel like a cohesive piece that wasn't starting as one thing and ending as another mm-hmm. um, and really, you know, maintain a tone that that ebbs and flows in terms of the horror specifically, but that actually feels part of a whole from, you know, from the very beginning. Yeah. I like the psychological thriller that ha- that it ha- that is that that's that has a western um frame in it. I like that mm-hmm. description. And this your film, by the way, we're speaking with uh Emma Tommy, she is the director of the new film The Wind. It's out this uh Friday, April 5th. Uh be on the lookout for it, but uh, it reminds me of a of a number of films that I've seen from Australia of late. It in, oh, re- interesting. It, it feels like an Australian film uh, because the expansiveness of the you know of the setting, and I don't. I mean, there's something about the the way that that the the characters interact. And again, I mean, there's there's a a film called Sweet Country, which came out last year, which was terrific. Uh, it yeah. it also feels a little bit about like the you know the earlier from the Australian filmmakers from the the seventies and eighties. It has that vibe to it because they mm-hmm. they use the the western as a as a as a as a sort of jumping off point for a lot of those films. Um, so, uh, it, but it. But there's a lot of, I mean, it feels like there's a lot of other films you could sort of say, it feels a little bit like that, it feels a little bit like this. And I don't know if that's a game you like to play, but um, uh, is there something, that if you want to go down that road, is is there something you, for people to sort of have an understanding of the of sort of the tone of the film? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were we were referencing a ton of, of different films throughout this one. One of the ones more in the psychological thriller realm that I, I found... Uh, so influential for this was was The Shining, um, specifically the time which Kubrick takes to let the the story unfold and to you know let Jack's descent into madness really rev up. Um, yeah. we, you know we we're playing with a lot of references from classic westerns like The Searchers um, in terms of some of our shot choices and then trying to invert some of those references. So I think you know really having a dialogue with films that have come before this which is you know I, I think every filmmaker is pretty much doing in in one way or another as they venture upon their their own film but yeah also you know trying to find a fresh a fresh fresh take on this genre as well well and i and, and to your point then that is that this is told the story is told ex- almost exclusively from the point of view of lizzie and of yes. her and her character and uh, everything sort of pivots off of her and her relationship with Emma. The the men in the film are um, are there. Certainly, there's some strong roles, some strong acting on the on the on their part. But it is about the women in this film, and 
there and there's and the and I think this is a this sort of connection. I mean, we're we're the film opens with birth and the film references sort of the back and forth of, of it goes back to that in in referencing um what's happening the psychological part of it and uh, so I, it's a from that point of view um i'm sure no it was your your intent to take take this story from the and tell it from the point of view of a woman's perspective but there aren't many westerns where i think you can say that or a film set in the western times where you would say that so uh and I, it comes off it, beautifully there's no it doesn't feel um in any way like a stretch it, it feels like these are frontier women this is what they dealt with on a regular basis oh and by the way <laughs> there happens to be something uh haunting them and, and so but uh, talk a little bit about that that idea yeah i mean Teresa sutherland who wrote the script was really inspired by you know to write this story based on real accounts of women at that time so there are there are a handful of really great kind of compilation books of women's journal and diary entries. And um, there was this kind of folkloric saying that women would, would go mad on the prairie because of the wind. And, you know, I think the wind became, you know, it embodied everything else that they were experiencing, which was extreme lon- loneliness, extreme isolation, extremely harsh conditions that they had to brave on a daily basis just in order to survive. So I think saying that women were going crazy because of the wind was a, a way for people to explain it, yes. but it was also rooted in the fact that the wind was an, you know, a constant presence on the plains, and we even just experienced it shooting in New Mexico. And, I mean, it can be so loud that you can't hear the person next to you, and it can also carry sounds from miles away. Then when it stops, that can be as eerie as when it's howling. It's a really interesting thing to play with. Certainly, um, in terms of our sound design, it was a, a hugely exciting thing to play with. But the fact that Teresa was inspired by these real women and these these real accounts of of people losing it was was so interesting to me. And I think, as you say, this isn't a story that we've really seen before. And even just any kind of Western focused on women is is few and far between. So. I thought it was such a simple concept in a way that she landed upon to focus on this experience. And I was really, really interested in the fact that there was a seed of of history to this, even though we take it into, you know, even supernatural places at times. So it's, it's fictionalized and it's so fun to do that, but it's, it's also cool that there's a core of truth to it. Yeah, there is. I mean, we call, the Santa Ana winds, the devil's winds, Satan's winds, right? right? I mean, we we do uh, correlate that particular aspect of human life with something supernatural. I can tell you, I grew up in a uh, community that was subject to some pretty harsh winds, and there, and I will tell you that it over of the period of an extended period of time, it really wears you out. It's as you were describing, sort of that sound, it's constant sound. And for me and my the fam and my family, and that was also the unpredictability of wind. You don't know if mm. this is the strongest it's going to be, or if it goes up any stronger. I, I mean, people's rooftops were ripped off of their homes in in my in my uh, on my street base because of the wind. So there, wow. so it was a real. You know, it was a real concern. Terror is too strong of a word, but it was certainly something that when it starts, there is that when is it going to end? 
and how is this going to end? Is it at some point, or is there going to be some real damage done in the in the process? And so I think that is a very smart device to be using in the, in, in as part of the story. Yeah, I agree. It's a total character, and it's yeah. Well, the wind is wild, and that's fun to play with. It is. It is. Well, let's talk about the terrific cast of people that you were able to bring in. To uh, I mentioned uh, Caitlin Gerard. Uh, Julia Goldani, tell us, who, who both of those, they play Liz and Emma, Lizzie and Emma, and then uh, Ashley Zuckerman, as well as Dylan McTee also play the part of... Oh, he plays Gideon. 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 Thank you. I couldn't... Thank you. I'm sorry. I forgot his no name. Problem. And uh, it's a terrific cast of Miles Anderson as well, uh, who is uh, his pivotal role in the, in the film. But tell me a little bit about casting uh, Caitlin Gerard and Julia... Uh, Goldani, uh, tell us uh, in these two very important roles in the film. Yeah, I had seen both of them in different TV projects that they had previously done and had really been a fan of both of their work. We were casting pretty pretty close to the point in, at which we were shooting. The whole movie was kind of coming together quickly. Caitlin was actually the last person cast of the whole group. Um, and I just felt like we hadn't really found our Lizzie yet and we were still just holding auditions up to the very last minute and Caitlin was one of the last people that we saw and um, she came in and just showed such a huge range she I think she did three different scenes and just went for it you know 110 percent and then she had her she nailed the quiet moments and she went full steam on the big ones and there's also just something in her her face. She's a very, you know, beautiful young woman, but there's she's also got grit and I think again just a range that I felt like Lizzie absolutely needed to embody. She mm. goes through every range of emotion in this movie and and Caitlin just nailed it. So we really lucked out in finding her and I think we cast her within an hour for auditioning and then she only had about 2 weeks to prepare for the role before we started shooting and she, she just she dove into all the research that Teresa and I had done that informed the script and above and beyond that and she just did so much preparation for the character and really crammed more in than I thought was humanly possible within yeah. two weeks so her dedication was insane and it and her talent uh, speaks for itself obviously yeah. she's a she nails it. Well, this yeah. is such a terrific film, and it's such a, a wonderful watch. In terms, it's just a compelling film, compelling storyline, and I want to congratulate you for the great work you did here, and uh, look forward to future work from you. Great, thank you so much. Thank you. We've been talking with the director of the new film, The Wind, and that would be Emma Tommy. Emma, congratulations, and we'll and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really nice chatting. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.